May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. May I serve with honor in the role you've given me. And may I never go beyond my place as I serve my Savior and I give you praise. Help me follow the truth and I'll be saved. May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. What are you waiting for? You know, I, I've heard for the past uh, year plus, give or take a little bit, I've heard a lot of people just saying, you know, I can't wait until things go back to normal. And let, I mean, let me tell you right now, of course, I want things to go back to normal, uh, you know, whatever kind of that means, sort of. But yet, at the same time, I think we can do better than that. And I think that as we read the Bible, we see that really we are called to do better than that. We're called to hope for better than just kind of the, the normal things. Because we are a part of what Christ is doing in the world around us, I think that we can we can raise our standards. I think we can raise our hopes for what we can be waiting for. And I think it's important for us to take a look at what we are waiting for and what we're hoping for, you know, from time to time. And the book of 2 Corinthians has a wonderful chapter that I think will kind of guide our minds to take a look at this together. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, what we're going to look at is a good life goal. That life goal is reconciliation. And technically, I, I know I kind of mean this a little bit both ways. One of them is a life goal for us is reconciliation. But at the same time, I want us to look at life goal and reconciliation. So let's do that from this, this text here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. This is what the Apostle Paul says here. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed... We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. And while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. See, this passage already sets us up for being more hopeful, for, for setting our standards about you know what we're waiting for, higher than just normal life. In fact, what we see here is this, this conversation that's going back, and, and the way that Paul talks about this, this current life that we live... He calls the body that we live in right now an earthly tent. You know, and I don't think it's by accident that he puts all these words together. Of course, our body, it is like this earthly body. It's a physical body. It's a tent because it's a temporary structure. It's not supposed to be, you know, our, our permanent dwelling place, at least in the, the big plan of what God has for us. So right now, this earthly tent that we are living in, this is kind of the normal things. That means, you know, as we get older and we wake up in the morning, we find out that, you know, all these different parts of our bodies, you know, they ache, they, they hurt, and we have these different pains and, and stuff. And we see that sometimes people hurt us in different ways. 
Sometimes it's not just physical, but that can be emotional as well. All of these things are accepted in the normal life. But what are you waiting for? This passage right here tells us something that it's beyond that earthly tent. Now, the goal, of course, is not just to be some, you know, spirit that's just kind of floating around, you know, and, and, and meaningless. That's not what God has ever planned for us. What God has planned for us, as what's stated like in verse 4 right here, is that we don't wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. You know, it's not so much that you just need to be released from this physical body. Let me remind you that your physical body was made by God. And in the very beginning of all of creation, God made a physical body for Adam and Eve, and he said it was very good. So it's not that something is specifically wrong with your earthly body. It's just in its current state. Because of what has happened, we see that, that uh, destruction has, has come in. We see that whenever sin was uh, entered into human, uh, human history, we see that, that everything's changed and things wear out. Things uh, that that's the way of these earthly things. So we see that our goal is not to be unclothed. But what the goal really has to be is that we can be clothed with this heavenly dwelling, this this heavenly type uh, of, uh, of tent, you know, not just this physical one, but the, the spiritual one, the new body in which we will receive, the new body that is going to be governed by and moved by God. In fact, we already start to see a little bit of a glimpse in that because that's what verse 5 is pointing at in the sense of that we have received the Holy Spirit. Whenever we become a child of God, whenever we become a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, we receive the Spirit. When we receive the Spirit, we get a glimpse as to what that other life, that other body is going to be like. So what are we waiting for? You know, are we waiting just for this body to be done with? You know, is, is that all that we're waiting for? No, this passage says we're waiting for more. What we're waiting for is to be clothed with something better, something greater, something new. We also see at the end of verse 4, which I just kind of uh, skimmed over a little bit right there. He says, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He's talking about how we, we don't wish to be unclothed, but we need to be clothed with this heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I think it's very interesting how that's worded. So like I said, life, then we'll go to goal and reconciliation. But right here with life, let's make sure that we understand that. Let's make sure that we understand the importance of this life that God has given to us, this gift of life that God has given us. See, this goal all along and what God has done, in fact, verse 5, it says that uh, he has fashioned us for this very purpose, okay? God has fashioned us for this very purpose so that we will be able to, to wait for, to long for this heavenly dwelling as what he's talking about right here. Not so much this earthly body, this earthly tent, but the heavenly dwelling. To be able to be with God, to be able to live with God forever. We don't need to just be separated from this body. We don't need to always look at the things that, that God has made and just always you know, call those things bad, but rather recognize they are temporary. And this mortal body, these mortal things around us are supposed to be swallowed up by life itself. God has given us that life and he's given us glimpses right here and right now. So we can see that life. But now, what is the goal of all this? What is the point of all this? What do we need to be involved in? To that, we turn to verses 6 
through 10. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You see this, this section right here of this chapter. It says something very important about the life that we are called to live now. That life that started us off in this, the first five verses. That life is so important because we need to understand, as verse 7 says, that we live by faith, not by sight. See, we're moved by the Spirit. The Spirit is, has come within us, guaranteeing that greater things are to come. We are called to live by faith, not by sight. What is our goal? Verse 9, so we make it our goal to please Him, to please God. Can you say that that is your number one goal in life? You know, I mean, if you if you stop and think about it, uh, there's there's maybe a list of goals that you've had and maybe things that you've wanted to accomplish within your lifetime. What's at the top of the list? Right here, Paul is saying we make it our goal to please him, whether we are uh, at home in the body or away from it. So no matter if we're pleasing him in this life or in the life that is to come or, or whatever stage of life you might find yourself in, is it your goal to please him? Is it your goal to please God? Now, without a doubt, as verse 10 says, you know, we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, but without a doubt that that's going to happen. And we are going to be, uh, at one point or another, we're, we're going to have to give an account for the things that we've done, whether they've been good things or bad things. We are going to be called to give an account whenever we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But in this life, whether we're at home in the body or away from it, whatever the case, can we make it our goal to please him? God has given us wonder, this wonderful gift of life. What is our goal? It is to please him. And now this final thing, this, this passage of reconciliation, this is so important and it ties everything together, I believe. Verses 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is, has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You know, I want you to think about what it means to be reconciled, you know, to, to reconcile something. Or right here about um, being reconciled, the term of reconciliation, reconciling. There's, there's so many different ways that the word has come up here. But what does it mean? Well, what we see here is that this new creation has stepped into this life itself. You know, if we are one who are in Christ, as verse 17 says, then that means this new creation has come. We can be able to, to be with God again. You know, because of the sin that, that we as humanity has just kind of openly accepted as a part of this world and, and that, you know, we've all sinned in one way or another, but that created a barrier between us and God. But God has made a way for us to be reconciled, for us to be able to come with him again. And we see that what it has to do with is when we are in Christ, then the new creation, yeah, typically the new creation, we only think about that happening at the you know very end of time or after times, depending on how you want to look at that. 
But right here, this passage is talking about how the new creation has already come into this creation. So we're kind of an interesting creature because we've already got these glimpses of the life that is going to come. This new creation has already come into the present creation. And we live between these times, between the first and the second coming of Christ. And we see that he's left us with something. He started this process of reconciling us through Christ, as verse 18 says. But then he's also left us as Christians, this ministry of reconciliation. As what verse 19 says, he has given us this message of reconciliation. This, me this message of reconciliation is that if we can be found in Christ Jesus, then the new creation has come. That we can have that hope of that there is more than just this earthly tent. We can have hope that there is this heavenly dwelling in which we can be and see God face to face. Our goal in this life, whether we're uh, you know, within this body or, or whatever might be the case, our goal needs to be to please him. Because reconciliation is what this leads to. Whenever we set it as our goal to serve him, to please him, then it has to do with telling people about this message of reconciliation and what God has done so that we can be brought into this family of God. And so that new creation can come into the present creation as well. And then the rest of this chapter, just a couple of verses here, and I'm going to borrow a few verses from the next chapter as well. So we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 on and down to chapter 6, verse 2. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who, knew, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-worker, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This passage gives us a pretty good working definition of what it means to be reconciled to God. What it means is that, that we have been set up, as verse 20 says, as Christ's ambassadors. That means that we're in this life and, and we, are, we are the body of Christ. You know, if you want to use that, that kind of a, a metaphor, that analogy there. You know, we are the hands and the feet the eyes and the ears and every every part of the, the body of Christ. That's us. We are supposed to be acting in the world and pointing people to Christ. We are acting on behalf of Christ. And what he's telling them right here is be reconciled to God. How did God do this? What was God's plan in order to be able to, to bring us into his presence once again, to be able to bring this new creation into the present creation? Verse 21 is it. That God made him, talking about Jesus Christ, who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in Jesus, in him, we might have, uh, that we might become the righteousness of God. This is what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We see that he who did not have any sin whatsoever, he never sinned. He's the only human being to have never sinned, yet he became sin for us. It can be difficult to kind of put that into words and, and sort of explain that, but I think verse 21 does a really good job as to how God allowed us to be reconciled, how God allowed us to be brought back in to his family, is that, that Jesus Christ, he became sin for us. And what did he do? Well, he did all this so that we can become the righteousness of God. Because of that, 
we can receive salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. This is our message of reconciliation. That what we have is that God has given us life, both in this one and in the one that is to come. We see that our goal needs to be to serve him. And then we see this life goal of reconciliation. Reconciliation is allowing us to be brought back into the fold of God, to be brought back in to the family of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's plan. Today is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Have you received it? Will you continue to live in it? I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized and wash my sins away. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized and then I can be saved. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized. With Jesus I'll be raised. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized. Giving God, Giving God the praise, and I'll be born again. Born of the water and the Spirit, and I'll be born again. Washed in the blood of the Lamb, and I'll be born away. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized. I'm now among the saved. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized. With Jesus, I've been raised. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized. Giving God the praise, and I've been born again. Born of the mother Yes, born again, obeying Christ alone.